so apologies to the listeners for um we we decided to take an extra week off beyond the holiday just because we normally record on wednesdays and um last wednesday was uh not not a not a not a bright spot for it didn't seem like the appropriate day to have a frivolous tech conversation yeah i just wasn't wasn't sure i could be could be my usual funny self mm-hmm. and that that was the that was the spot I was giving you to uh, make the obvious joke of you're never funny, but oh, I think I think the listeners figured that out on their own. Yeah, it's the kind of thing where you when you when you listen to like 200 episodes of something where you just fill fill in the jokes and all the gaps on your own. It's just yeah. Well, and we have to you know the listeners have to forgive us here because we are still maybe a little shaken by world events, and I feel like there's now this this new trend that's happening specific to this show where anytime we take an extended period of time off, which in the long run of the show, we, we very seldom do, but the, you know, the, the couple of times lately that we've done it, things have gotten real bad. Like, you know, a little less than a year ago when we, we took some extended time off for when I became a new dad, a global pandemic <laughs> started. And then with this holiday break, there was an insurrection against the Congress of the United States. So, yeah, not um, not great. So you're saying we're we're an essential industry, and we <clears throat> should get a, a massive <laughs> PPP loan. Well, I was thinking maybe early access to the vaccine, but eh, um, that too. <laughs> um, or we can just go to. Uh, Oh, no. we're, we're, we're not gonna we're gonna choke whenever we you know whenever i'm feeling a little down about things which you know let's just say comes up every <laughs> once in a while uh um, tell me it's more of like which wait it's it's the opposite of side of the pie graph or whatever it, that that is the you're looking for the that's that's the default position exactly. the default emotion sorry yeah um if i need something just to kind of make me chuckle a little bit i think about that tweet that I think you sent me, but that I was going to send you um, <laughs> around like, um, I can't wait for the wire cutters pick for which COVID vaccine to get. I think that's, mm-hmm. I don't know, that just kind of makes me chuckle when I think about that. Yeah, yeah, it's good. I will, I'll, I'll save it for another show. But I, ha- I had to look back in our chat history because I was looking for, um, ah, fuck it, I'll, I'll, I'll find it in the show notes and I'll DM it to you. Um, I was looking for, remember after Super Tuesday and then uh, Elizabeth Warren cons- uh, withdrew from the race? There's a thing where she did an interview on MSNBC um, and uh, her dog Bailey uh, interrupted where, uh, an interview with Rachel Maddow and it was pretty good. So I was looking for that screenshot that I had put, I knew I'd put in the Slack. And then on Slack, you can do the thing where you jump to a date. And then I just started scrolling a little bit afterward uh-uh, and I got yeah, to relive hmm. the pandemic unfolding. And it was really um uh personal doom scrolling if you've like like uh, to a degree nobody's ever known it was is very march yeah yeah no it was yeah, not it's good. funny like my my memory i would say especially in more recent years is, is not the best but it's like the second you started talking about super tuesday and warren dropping out of the race like i instantly knew that that was like literally the last few days in the before times yeah i remember and i'll again i'll dig up the screenshot but i remember seeing the um okay i'll I'll find it and i'll actually pull it up again but 
um as a as a so yeah so it, it's been it's been bad so i guess that the, the moral of the story is that we can never leave or go on vacation we again we're an essential <laughs> industry um again the the day I, I was going to make a reference to Mikey B, but uh, the Daily Show, or the Daily, is now problematic, and we'll get to that next week. Um, I, so. you know, I, I admit I was late to reading that article. I, I actually just read it today as I was catching up, you know, and putting together the the show notes. Mm-hmm. Not good. Not great. Yeah, I did. I didn't really like anything about that. And I mean, and and I'm. This is not a joke, but there's a there's a very good industry newsletter and i'm not saying that i or you or us are in the podcasting industry but it's it's like kind of an industry industry trade newsletter called hot pod and it has fantastic uh, like industry coverage of podcasting and they've been on the whole caliphate the day uh the daily kind of crossover issue right now and yeah well it's a pretty crammed week, so we're not going to talk about it today. But it's you know we gotta it really kind of put a damper on that really nice year in review show. Yeah, I don't know. Mm. Yeah, I guess you did put that in the thing right around that time, huh? Yeah, but thank you for convincing me to listen to that because that was actually kind of nice. Yeah, I I was very very close to deleting that, um, which I did to all of their. Um, episodes over the break where they were like revisiting episodes from 2020 i'm like you know what i'm i'm good with 2020 i don't really need to revisit any part of it yeah and Uh, it's a very npr thing where planet money does kind of the same thing where it's a rerun but they will append five minutes of new content to it and and that's that's okay i mean and that's a very like i mean there's nothing wrong with reruns um but it always kind of i'm like i I know i've heard this and also because of the year it was it's like super depressing or or stuff i don't know it's just it's yeah, I definitely get those along with the anytime they have the the Sunday listen or whatever it is, uh, those get an immediate Marcus played. But but it still counts as a download form, which is kind of a kind of a bummer. <laughs> I've listened to those in because they've they've done that every year that they've been on during the holidays, and I've listened to them in the past, but not again. Soon. Just just yeah, not not a year I, I really want to go back and relive. Yeah. Um other podcasting news. I completely forgot what I was going to say, but there was another thing about podcasting. It'll come back to me. Oh, um, in light of what happened last Wednesday and, and a lot of issues that we might be having as a country right now, I I think I'm kind of noping out of 538 as a podcast. I feel like right now is a time that I don't need Nate Silver. Am I wrong? Um, I wouldn't single out Nate, but I definitely, in the month of December, started skipping some episodes of 538, just mostly because I felt like I was already getting more political news than I than I wanted to, <laughs> so... Yeah, it wasn't like I guess maybe it wasn't even specific to like five thirty eight. They just happen to be like the one politics podcast I regularly listen to, and I just just wasn't really you know in the mood there for a while. Yeah, um, you know now that Claire's gone, and I don't know, Nate had a lot of stuff on Twitter about like how the world should be grateful for 
layman like him who read up on the research about COVID. like he's had i think uh, a friend of the show mike isaac put it um i think he said like god level shit posting like it was it was very very bad in the pantheon of bad tweets i don't know so i i like i'm if you start if you listen or and there's a um an exceptionally good episode or one where like perry is um gets a lot of airtime uh like let me know if there's a good one because but i'm i'm for the foreseeable future just going to kind of mark those as played immediately which i have been doing for atp as well for other reasons i totally forgot to message you the other day you, i assume you didn't listen to this week's episode no so there's a couple things that it's got going for it one is that nate's not on it <laughs> can you clip that out in overcast and dm it to him and, and see if you get blocked well, i'm saying that more for your benefit i nate is if if you don't know what you're getting with nate silver at this point i, I don't know what to tell you i know but um, it's, i guess i guess he's he's very much like uh like certain types of hot sauce he's he, he's a very acquired yeah. taste and also in moderation yeah um yeah uh, uh Perry was, I mean, he's always great, as you said, but Mm -hmm. he was, he was exceptional this week. Like he was, he was having none of what happened last week. It's worth a listen just for, for his bits. Mark unplayed. All right. Yeah. Perry, Perry was, I I can't believe I didn't send this to you on Monday night. I totally meant to. He's, he was really, really good this week. Yeah. I, I forget what you always say it's something about like he's good he's very good at saying the quiet part loud or like well because because the one the one criticism i have with 538 is that they they just try to be too even keeled i think it and not not like in a both sides kind of way that a lot of the news networks do but just more so in the like we need more data and you know blah 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 and but perry just he comes out firing like he you know but never in an uninformed way he's just kind of like we're, we're not gonna we're not gonna give we're not gonna spend 30 seconds both sidesing what is a black and white issue of just like bullshit yeah, exactly. he's very much yeah, yeah. he's he's great I, like he he was a great full-time addition to the podcast but again it's, yeah it's, it's just the nate stuff that's a little bit and the lack of knowing that claire is going to be there to be fun and also a balance on the people who try to think that data is god and that's all that they need versus actual um sociological and like other stuff the only thing we got to do for perry though is we got to get him a better microphone i think i made this comment to you a long time ago because when he first started coming on on the pod i think he was just literally calling in from his cell phone so his audio was like really bad and i think i had made a comment to you at that time about it and then at some point it seems like he did start using some kind of microphone but i I, it might even just be like a pair of like apple headphones or something um yeah we we need to get him a better microphone come on abc Mm -hmm. well i mean well they've been doing some layoffs but yeah yeah makes sense um okay uh what else do we have i have one other thing and this is this is follow out from a show i know that you don't listen to but i want you to tell me um how this phrase is pronounced this is this is follow out from reconcilable differences a show that you don't but should listen to how do you pronounce that you're coming to me to figure out how something's pronounced well i don't don't think you're like a john gruber type who intentionally mispronounces everything on purpose which is the only possible defense (laughs) anyway so how do you pronounce that two word phrase i would pronounce that 
red receipt. Hmm. You said it wasn't a trap. It's not, but that that, that was the wrong answer. It's weird because I and 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 this is where uh again that show is between Merlin who lives on uh, in, in the Bay Area and um John Syracuse who is very very much a uh, northeastern um you know uh, uh accented person. <laughs> um I've always thought of this as read receipts. I don't know. And but and but the thing that that you have going for you is that it feels like read receipts sending a read receipt is after you have read something which is where read receipts make sense but i've never heard it called that well you shouldn't even have that feature turned on so it's kind of a moot point well that's the other thing where again like sometimes i will stumble across somebody and i'm and i will like kind of take them aside well in in pre-covid times i would take them aside but now i'll just you know send them like a confidential dm i might be like you is this intentional like did you, did you get a new phone and not restore from iCloud? Like I don't know if <laughs> because I don't know if Apple on iMessage by default if read receipts are no. on and it's something you have to turn off or if no, somebody No, it's it's by default it's off. Yeah, so somebody went out of their way to let people know that they're being ignored. Well, actually though, so by default it's so if if you if you have a new phone and you don't restore it from a backup, so you've never really gone through preferences or anything. It's oh. off by default, but it pops after, up after you, a few hours, yeah, after mm. you send your first few messages, it pops up like in a like normal looking dialogue box. So if you quickly tapped on that without reading it, because like the two options I think are basically like dismiss and turn on. So if you quickly just tap it and hit turn on, then yeah, that's because I don't, I don't. I don't know who would ever willingly want to have that on. Like, I mean, I know I am maybe not the most trusting person in the world, but I, I do, I don't know who, I don't think I have a strong enough relationship with any have ever had in my entire life where I would want them to know when I read their texts. I, yeah. I'm just not really sure what is to be gained by. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, either you, either somebody is either going to feel ignored or like build up something on the reason why you haven't responded to their text right and it's just it's just not worth it and that's why that's remember there was that scummy email app that would use like tracking pixels to see if somebody uh who does not have mm-hmm. read receipts turned on like it's just it's just it's bad form like that's yeah. that's you know that's the true surveillance capitalism like that that is not something that we actually need anyway mm-hmm. so so read receipts is the correct pronunciation but kind of oddly read receipts kind of makes sense but still no all right. Um, that is it. Well, actually, sorry. One last thing. Uh, uh, that's th- the show? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, we're, we're, we're done. Like our democracy, <laughs> we're, we're done forever. Um, is, there a, is there a new... Are there new animals in the Slack uh, Cursor Garden? I'm glad you noticed. There I are. I did because, yeah. because the, the, the trees are in alignment for once. And I think that's I my know. fault. I, you know, new year, new show note template. I, I thought I'd I'd clean it up a little bit. Thought I'd update the um, Salesforce reference in here. Yeah. <laughs> Presented by I didn't even notice that part. Mm-hmm. Oh man, yeah, that's pretty good. A yeah, Salesforce there's there's company. there's a there's a dinosaur in there now that doesn't really make sense, but eh, you know, I don't know. Dinosaurs always make sense. And there's you know there's an otter. He's <gasps> he's just there because he's cute. Aww. Well, he needs. Well, hold on. I now I got he's he needs a friend because otters hold hands. <laughs> there we go all right um okay so 
yeah, this is, this is what people miss out on after weeks. All right, uh, open up the show doc. All right, so this is this is a big. Uh, this is gonna be a big Ryan episode. So in terms of follow up, so we there's a cliffhanger um, when I believe it was public knowledge that you went and got um, or early in December when I was doing my whole home audio thing and you were reconsidering kind of your whole family room slash living room audio setup and then you got a Sonos move out of the deal. Uh, you tripled down and got a Sonos Arc and uh, the Sonos Sub and kind of re rejiggered your whole home audio setup. So how'd that go? Yeah, so, so to recap where we were um, in the last couple of months of 2020, you know, we're, we're not, we're not, we're not going to make this show too political, but I, I did flip-flop a bit here where for years I was saying that, you know, so I was acknowledging that Sonos had this sort of like whole home theater setup thing that you could do, but it was outrageously expensive and that you, you know, you could probably get a receiver and, you know, separate speakers and wire those up and, and get something that's probably way better for less money. So why would anybody do that? But I started kind of falling down this Sonos rabbit hole near the end of last year where I decided that the Sonos Beam, which we had been using as our soundbar in the family room, which is where we've got the OLED and is kind of like our, our main TV room. It just, the, the beam wasn't the right fit. It, it It's too big of a room for that speaker. And I think as we said on the show, like the beam's not a bad speaker, but it's, it's not a great speaker either. So it's, it's just kind of lame to have this like big, beautiful TV and this just, you know, very like, C C plus soundbar. Um but I really like the Sono stuff, which I've become kind of invested in over you know the last couple of years with purchasing a couple of Sonos ones and putting those around the home. Like the whole way that Sonos works, I just really enjoy. And you know, I, I, I do disagree with quite a bit that, that Marco says on ATP, but I think the, the thing that I probably disagree with him most about is his takes on Sonos, where... He, yeah, it, all, everything he says is wrong. In terms of, like, one, the buggy apps, I like I know I don't use the smart home or the smart assistant integration, but yeah, he has, like, super blanket negative stuff to say about Sonos stuff, which I feel like is entirely unwarranted. Yeah, well, I... I I don't get it really at all what he's referring to with the Amazon assistant stuff, because that's one of the main use cases that I have for our Sonos speakers. And I find that to work really, really well. And, you know, to Amazon's and Sonos's credit, the Sonos devices basically get treated as a native echo device. Like, I, I think there are a couple of features like here and there that maybe Sonos stuff doesn't get that Amazon's products do, but I think it's stuff that like I don't use anyway. Like I know they came out with some kind of like home security thing where you can like have it listen for the sound of broken glass or something, hmm. which like that's not really something I'm interested in. Um anyway, I I find that stuff to work really well. And overall, I just really 
like Sonos. I like the Sonos app. I like the way that it interfaces with AirPlay. It's just, it's a really nice setup. And I, I've really gotten into um, whole home audio. It's just, it's, it's, it's really enjoyable, like in the evening to turn on some music and just have it be like all through the house. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, when I was sort of, you know, looking for potential replacements for the Sonos beam, um, which I also realized as, as I was thinking about, you know, moving it out of the family room was that I could move it into the living room where we had, you know, set up a, another TV in the house about a year ago. Because we were just using the the TV speakers on that TV. And as much as I like that TCL TV, the, the Roku TV, which we've talked about here before, you know, the speakers are pretty mediocre. So that, that's, that would be a place where the beam would be a really good fit. And I looked around and, you know, we talked about this. Like I looked at some of the Bose stuff and some of the other things out there. But it seemed like kind of the speaker to get now is the Sonos Arc. That seems to be everybody's kind of favorite high-end um, soundbar. And it, of course, like checked all my boxes where it, you know, it supported AirPlay. It was part of the Sonos ecosystem, which is a huge plus. So, you know, I did that. You know, we talked about this before. That led me further down the rabbit hole of getting the Sonos sub. <laughs> um, and then I went further down the rabbit hole and I'm like, well... I don't need the Sonos one in the living room anymore since that was set up right where the beam was going to get moved to. And then I had the, the idea partially encouraged by your purchase of the move where I was like, well, I could take my other Sonos one that's, that was here with me in the office and pair that with the other Sonos one and then, you know, do the whole rear speaker thing and then put the Sonos move in the office. So that, that's where we were in December. So that's kind of the, the recap part of it here. And so over the break, all of this stuff arrived and all got set up. So I got the arc, I got the sub, and I got the move. And I was, I was sending you some pictures of this stuff kind of as I was setting it up. And I think one thing that Sonos doesn't maybe get as much credit for as they should is that the setup could just not be any easier. Like setting up a Sonos device is awesome. It's super intuitive, super easy. You know, I was particularly curious how the setup on the sub and the rear speakers was going to work. And it's it's just really well thought out. Um, the only thing that's maybe a little funky is with with both the sub and with the rear speakers. You know, you go into the the arcs menu and there's like literally a, you know, add sub button and an or an add surround speaker button. And if you click on that and you haven't actually gone through like the separate setup process for the sub or the Sonos ones that you're using as your surround sound speakers, it'll just say, you know, I you don't have any speakers in your system that are eligible for this, basically. So you have to like separately set them up first. But as soon as you do it, it's like, hey, do you want to pair this with your ARC? So that's a little backwards. But other than that, like the setup process is just really, really simple. Um, and the one, th the other, kind of the other cliffhanger, I guess we we had was, I was really curious about whether. Dolby Atmos was going to work on the Arc 
Um, I forget how much how much detail did we go into on the show talking about um, Arc, not to be confused with the actual product, but the technology that's built into HDMI audio return channel versus like eARC and all that stuff. Here, I talked about that a little bit, didn't I? Yes. I mean, somehow I remember us talking about that for a while, and I think we both got confused on HDMI spec and then just moved past it. <laughs> but basically, I, th- I think somehow we were unsure what, like, something, something, the OLED TV, like, will strip that if you use the return, something, something, anyway. But I think ultimately you got it working in the end. So, uh, so it turns out, I guess, that if you want to have Dolby Atmos, like, in almost every single case and almost with every single TV, you have to have a TV that has eARC, which is basically like ARC 2.0, I guess. Like in, in it's it's like the newer ARC spec in HDMI, and it's part of HDMI. It's it's the Thunderbolt two or whatever. It's the yeah, exactly. Yeah, uh, uh-huh. yeah, it, totally. It's the same same exact thing. Mm-hmm. It, even in the sense that like the difference is that you know it supports more bandwidth, right? And Dolby Atmos is like I guess a very high bandwidth signal to pass. Hmm that that you know that the arc arc 1.0 generally doesn't support however the exception to that is that dolby atmos can actually can actually be transmitted in like two different formats i don't recall exactly what the names of these formats are but essentially there's there's one format that's like uncompressed and that's you know that's what eARC can can pass and then there's a compressed version of Dolby Atmos that that um, is you know low enough bandwidth that Arc supports. But then I guess the challenge with that is that a lot of devices, including devices like the Apple TV, don't support passing Dolby Atmos signals in this compressed format. They can only output the uncompressed version. Which normally would support, or which which would normally require you to have eARC built into your TV. So you know, I, I kind of dug around a little bit on Reddit and some other places, and <laughs> I know, right? Um, and also, and I, tur- I, I I appreciate that all like the past three minutes have just been like you explaining like FASB standards. It's, it's very it's very um, soothing, uh, compelling. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's like a white noise machine. <laughs> Thank you. Anyway, um, sorry. So, um, so again, so for most TVs, if you connect an Apple TV to your TV and then you connect a, a Sonos Arc, again, the product, not the HDMI audio return standard, um, normally that would not allow you then to listen to Atmos because you have a device like the Apple TV which is sending out this uncompressed Dolby Atmos signal, which has a greater bandwidth need than ARC can provide. So I think instead you just get like standard Dolby Digital or whatever. With our TVs, however, LG does something through software that it sounds like no other TV manufacturer does it did the consensus that I saw online is that LG is the only one that seems to do this, which is the TV takes that uncompressed Dolby Atmos signal, converts it to the compressed signal, 
and then sends that via ARC to a device like the Sonos ARC. And so I, you know, it, it obviously this is like the most niche of niche use cases, right? But, wait, but this, is, is that a good thing or a bad thing? What do you mean? Does the compression that it does in line, does that make it possible to use Atmos or does that compression uh, prevent Atmos from working? No, that the compression is is what allows it to work. I mean, hmm. so the and, and to the one thing I didn't clarify either is like the the compressed signal versus the uncompressed signal is like even like the most staunchest of audiophiles would have a really hard time telling the quality difference between the two. So it's like it's like flak audio compression where it's 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 much, it's like half the size of wave, but you're losing nothing. It's just more efficient. There was an analogy I was trying to search for, and yeah, that's ex- exactly what I was trying to come up with. Yeah. Um. So, but again, like th- this this very particular setup I have, where because th- th- all the other thing to call out too is that the LG OLEDs only started doing this starting with 2018 models and later. And fortunately, you and I have a 2018 model, so we have the the first model year that actually supports this whole you know converting dolby atmos from a uncompressed signal to a compressed signal yay um so you know super niche use case and the sonos arcs a pretty new product so there's like not even a ton of people who have it in general but the the couple of people who had this exact setup were like yeah, no, it, it 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 works. And it's very easy to tell if it works because if you're getting a Dolby Atmos signal successfully sent to the Sonos Arc, when you open the Sonos app and you um, click on the Arc when it's playing a Dolby Atmos video signal, it'll show the Dolby Atmos logo. Um, so anyway, like I, I didn't really care a ton because Dolby Atmos is a little gimmicky anyway um but i thought it'd be kind of neat if it did work because that's it is one of the selling points of the arc is that it supports you know this high-end audio standard and so i you know hooked everything up and of course like the very first thing i did was the the audio test that we've previously talked about which is the the pod racing scene from star wars episode one and on disney plus um when they released the star wars films on disney plus they released them for the first time um in 4k and they also added dolby atmos support so it was my standard sound setup test and i could also test if this dolby atmos thing worked and it totally does which you know again like (laughs) i'm sure that you know if if i were to you know be able to listen to like two identical setups like back to back one where atmos was enabled and one where it wasn't i probably wouldn't be able to tell the difference but well but that's not the point it's it's the believing it's better exactly yeah um so yeah that's 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 neat um and you know i guess to, to kind of get to like the the, the punchline here like the arc is really really good i mean it it sounds tremendously better than the beam i mean it's it's just a much much you know fuller sounding speaker um yeah you know i i tested it out you know even before i set up the sub or any that, of the that, surrounds that is and like, how does it sound as a standalone soundbar 
and sounds really, really good. Um, I mean, part of a, a big part of the reason why I, I just I went all in with the the sub part of it is that soundbars are never going to have great bass. I mean, they're they're just not. There's just there's kind of just physics involved that make it so that they're not not going to have great bass. And so I kind of knew I'd be disappointed with that part of it, um, which is what led me to get the sub. But I mean, it's it's decent on its own. Um, but no, it, it's a, it's a tremendous sounding speaker. Um, it's an incredibly loud speaker. <laughs> um, were you able to check if it supports the same volume limiter feature? I think it does. Yeah. I okay. see that in the menu. Um, yeah. but no, it's, it's funny because, you know, like with, you know, having a baby at home, like, you know we don't usually have the TV like too loud when we're, you know, listening to it at night, even though we're, we're on the opposite end of the house and it, it's actually a pretty good setup, but we still don't have the TV too loud. You got to bump the episodes of Bluey. <laughs> um, but a man, I mean, this thing, even at like, I mean, it, it doesn't give you exact percentages, I guess, but like the little slider looks like it's at, I don't know, maybe 15%. Mm-hmm. It's loud. Yeah, like it's, it's no good. Uh, or like I mean, it's good, but but it gives you very. Does it? What are the volume steps? Like you know how like when you click the remote like once or twice, like are is, are you able to make fine adjustments to it, or is there not a lot of wiggle room in the low regions? No, there seems to be a good amount of wiggle room because okay. like if I like I have it you know set up with with our Harmony remote of course, and um like you know a couple couple taps on the volume down adjusted pretty well. Okay, but it's just like you know. I've never really had an occasion to try this, although I probably will at some point. Like, I'd, I'd be curious to kind of like crank this thing up to like seventy five percent, just like see what it does, because it seems like it just be would be incredibly loud. Um, but no, it it, it sounds great. Um, you know, again, like I think the Atmos thing's probably a little gimmicky, but with that being said, like the combination of that and then the 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 surround speakers, like. You really do get a nice full room effect. I wouldn't I wouldn't even necessarily describe it all the time as having like clear left and right channels and like you know, Atmos is supposed to do things like bounce sound off the ceiling and make it sound like it's coming from above or something like I can't quite say like the directional component of it comes through for me, but you just end up with something that just has really, really rich sound. And like it, you like, there's the tired, like marketing phrase of like, you know, room filling sound. I think Apple uses that with like the home pod and stuff, but like, <laughs> it's, it's really, <laughs> but it's really true with this case where like this setup with the, the arc and then you, especially with the surrounds, like it just, it really does fill the whole room. Um, but I'm kind of burying one of the more interesting parts about the setup, which is the sub. Um, so the sub is really, really good, but not for the reason that I was expecting. Um, so do you, And I was trying to come up with an analogy for this that would somehow translate through a podcast. Um, do you remember when 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 3D movies kind of tried to make a comeback with like Avatar and all that, like you know, two thousand eight, two thousand nine? Do you remember all that? Kind of. 
Did you ever see any of those movies? God, no. So the the big thing that that they were trying oh, to do, you mean the thing where like there was always they, like the movie like because they're always creating a standard two D movie because like nobody's making a big budget movie for that, but there's always like four like three scenes in the movie where there's just some gratuitous nonsense just to m- prove to you that you paid an extra two dollars for the three D ticket. Well, so th- that th- like that's how three D used to be. Hmm. Like they used to go just for like the cheap pop out effect. Yeah. But the the thing with Avatar and some of the other movies that like really embraced this kind of reboot or rethinking of of three D when everybody was trying to make that a thing again was instead of like the cheap pop out effects they were going for depth. So like that's what you would really get is you would you'd get characters on the screen but like instead of them popping out at you you instead kind of saw the depth of the scene behind them. And that was like a really neat effect. And the analogy I'm trying to make here is that like the traditional thing with subwoofers is that they, they go for kind of this, the cheap, you know, big bass thing, right? Like room shaking bass, which is like the equivalent of the old school 3d with like the cheap pop out effect. The Sono sub is very, very, subtle and it, it it instead just makes the the arc and the whole setup that i have just much richer um in a really cool way so like you know in certain movie scenes and stuff you definitely still do get like you know just the big thud or like you know that you'd normally get from a a, a subwoofer but most of the time, it's just adding a really nice low tone to whatever you're you're listening to, in a, in a really cool way. Can I can I posit that that might be amplified or complemented by the fact that you also did add rear like standard speakers? Like I feel no, like if, if the sound behind you, can... you or to the side of you was only the big bassy speaker, it might be less pronounced. But but I don't know. No, so I um, well, so the the subwoofer's in the front of the room. Hmm. Okay. Because that's just where it fits best. Um, and I, I tested it before I set up the rear surrounds. And this this whole analogy that I came up with was like the first thing that came into my head, like even before setting up the surrounds. Um, but yeah, no, it, it's, it's, um, it's really neat what it does. And, it, and actually, like, if, if you go and read some reviews, this is like, it turns, I, I, I didn't read a ton of reviews before i i bought it just because i i knew i was kind of going into this this whole sonos setup anyway but i i did go back and like look at some of the the reviews of the sub and it's it's kind of the universal take is that it it doesn't really go for kind of just like the cheap big thud sounds like it really just sort of like adds this nice low tone throughout everything and I mean, there are settings where you you can individually um, modify the volume of the sub independent from all the other speakers, and I I, it, I guess if you turn that way up, then it it does kind of end up just you know going thud 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 all the time. But at its default sound, like the intent really is for it just to kind of add this subtle bass through everything you're listening to. So it's really nice. Cool. But yeah, so by default, this is a set it and forget it type of thing. 
where just like you just turn on the TV and everything just you don't ever have to touch anything. Exactly. Yeah. So the the sub the sub is always paired to the arc. The surrounds are always paired to the arc. Like you, it just it works. If if you're listening to something that has Dolby Atmos support, that automatically turns on. And the rear speakers and the sub are Wi-Fi or Ethernet wired. They're uh, Wi-Fi. Cool. Um, and and actually, you don't have a choice with that because the arc is sending the um sonos has like this sort of proprietary wireless thing that it that it uses got it um and, th- and that's what it's using to communicate between the sub and the um sonos one so i'm not gonna put you on the spot for uh, a total price tag on this but i guess but to kg to do this cagely do you think this was worth the investment if you did not have another room to have repurposed the beam do you think no. this was worth it? No, there were very specific facts that sort of aligned to kind of make this make sense. Because um, you were able to cascade being, out two devices with the with the purchase of the move and the need for a speaker somewhere else, which kind of frees up seven hundred dollars, sort of. Yeah, with, with like some the, fixed wrapper math. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think. If you if you were starting from scratch, I would think like buying two Sonos ones or even the what is it the Sonos SL or whatever that you have, mm-hmm. like buying two of those to use as rear speakers that's that's kind of crazy. Because I mean they're they're neat, but I wouldn't say that they're necessarily the highlight of the system. Um, but it's 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 cool to have them there. Like there are certain moments in movies and stuff where they do stand out, but um, or certain music that you listen to where they do stand out, but um, you know that that's a lot of money to spend on rear speakers. Although it is it is really nice that they're wireless and that they're stable on wireless, right? Um, mm-hmm. But no, being able to to move the the beam, being able to repurpose the Sonos ones, and just being invested in the Sonos ecosystem, like that all kind of had to come together to to make this setup semi make sense. And then the reason I keep saying semi makes sense is because again, like you can totally go out there, get a receiver, get standalone speakers, wire all those up. But then you have a receiver. Well, so th- that's so who, that's one of the, that? so so that's one of the things now. So with receivers like they've always been somewhat complicated, mm-hmm. right? But I, I I did start thinking about that, and it's like the thing that you also have to think about now is, and we, I mean, this has been exhaustively talked about on this show in the context of those terrible Samsung TVs we used to have, is like 4K and HDMI and HDR and all that is like a total mess. Well, but because that's the thing where a, rece- a receiver becomes your de facto HDMI switch, and well, do you that, want that's to what have... I'm- yeah, like, do you, do you want to have this six hundred dollar, like Yamaha thing that is you're hopefully buying once a decade that is now going to be the gating factor on every other technology upgrade that you make? Well, that's what I'm saying, and like, and even just just finding one that like finding a receiver that actually like supports Dolby Vision and like all that stuff, like 
just sounds like kind of a nightmare. Well, and I like, assume we, we couldn't even we couldn't even find you know HDMI cables that worked. Remember that? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, it's. I still only have one cable that I know actually works with Dolby Vision <laughs> in my TV. Like, yeah. and, and it's it's nothing to do with cost. I've bought like twenty of them from Monoprice, and I think only one actually delivers it reliably. Exactly. So that that that's the thing that sounds like a nightmare with receivers now is not only do you have the audio piece of it, but then you also have to worry about the the HDMI part of it and too. The, and then I forgot, did you buy a PS5 or do you have an interest no. in PS5? No. Okay, but isn't it isn't Syracuse on about a thing where something something 4K gaming like only works with like a super new and like a kind of HDMI 2.11 or something? Yeah, they, both the PlayStation 5 and the new Xbox are the first devices, or at least like first consumer devices, that have the whatever the latest HDMI spec is, 4.1 or whatever. Um, and I, 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 I think the big thing with that is that it supports... I think I think what Syracuse talks about is it's 4K at 120 hertz. I think is like the 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 winning combo there, because that's that's what's become really popular in gaming over the last four or five years is these like high refresh rate can, monitors. Can I ask a stupid question? Mm-hmm. Does 120 hertz mean 120 frames a second? It means that the screen refreshes 120 times per. I don't know if it's per millisecond or per se, whatever the denominator. So theoretically, is. it could show 120 frames, but necessarily, it, you know, it, it, it's it it is it's refreshes of the screen per second because the, the reason gamers like it is because there's this whole idea of VSync in monitors where you want to keep the frame rate of your game in sync with the refresh rate of your monitor because i don't know i guess it like makes the image look better um and (laughs) and they're you know with a lot of monitors 60 hertz is like where they cap out especially Mm -hmm. at 4k Mm -hmm. um but for some games you want them to run like even faster than 60 frames but if you still want the benefit of vsync then you're going to have to have a monitor that supports a refresh rate higher than 60 hertz and so i guess the whole thing is that hdmi didn't support 4k at anything above 60 hertz prior to this new hdmi standard but for that to be you'd have to have like a game that has very low video card requirements like because otherwise like like a game like microsoft flight simulator is going to max out 60 frames a second on even like a laptop graphics card, right? Yeah. So, like for well, I mean, yeah, no, no spoilers for the next topic. No, no, but here, isn't, but that that a, wait, isn't isn't that a joke? I thought the, I thought Flight Simulator like ran at like eight frames a second on anything, but like the highest of highest end graphics cards. No, that, that's that, that's exactly right. And I mean, even like if you if you do have it run smooth, it's not a game that having anything above sixty frames. Yeah, I don't think really... I think that's literally impossible to have be a problem. Well, and and even if it weren't, there's just there's just not really much of a benefit to have a slow moving game like that. Like the, the, where, you know, the, the 120 Hertz refresh rate monitors and all that stuff really comes in is like, if you're playing, you know, the call of duties or like whatever, like these kind of faster paced games, uh, you over explained um, my joke. 
Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's a, that's a teaser for a future topic or for for later in the episode. But there's no, I guess there's there's like no TV or monitor. Or like there are a handful of TVs that support this new HDMI standard and like basically no monitors that do. Well, just because so. it, it, it has zero practicality in terms of like movie watching or like a regular other, other than video games. It's an expense that just why? Yeah. Because right. no, even if you want to watch the um, like the terrible like soap opera effect, like TV shows where the people who like what's the what's the Todd Vizieri thing where the motion smoothing like other than that, like nobody would ever want that unless you're a video game person. So, right. Yeah. Right. All right. So overall, uh, on a scale of one to ten, your current Sonos setup. So I, I'm I'm really really happy with the 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 arc setup it's it's super super overpriced for what it is but the setup was easy the sound is really good it's now part of my whole sonos setup which i which i really enjoy um yeah it's 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 really good again that the sub was a really nice pleasant surprise um and I think the arc, even on its own, you know, sound sounds really, really good. Um, I guess one one last note on the arc, um, which this is this this was the 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 part that the lady friend focused on in her review of it. <laughs> it is it's enormous. <laughs> it is it is massive. Isn't that the thing where on Sonus's website it says like for very large TVs or something? Yeah, I it's, bet. It, I mean, it looks very like because on on their website, it looks very wide on what is probably paired with like a sixty five inch TV. Yeah, exactly. Um, so you know, next time you're over, sometime in like twenty twenty six, um, yeah, it's. I mean, it, it's it's an it's an enormous speaker. Well, let me which, let me ask how how so I because I know what the fifty five inch TV looks like. How much? Like how much clearance is there on either side? Not much. Oh, like so it's it, basically as wide as your TV. Basically, yeah. Mm. Little, little shorter, but basically as wide as the TV. Yikes! I mean, because um, that could have gone wrong. I mean, if you had to go buy a sixty-five inch TV because your soundbar is too wide, that would have been awkward. Yeah. Because yeah. Well, and like so, I you know I have the tv so i i don't have it wall mounted anymore with the setup that we have in in the house um so i just have it on a like a third party stand and that the stand fortunately is it does have a height adjustment on it and i i, th- I thought i was going to have to adjust it up <laughs> when i first set up the speaker luckily i i didn't uh, but it just barely has enough clearance because it's it's in addition to being wide it's pretty tall too um, no, it, it's an enormous speaker and the, the lady friend is, is not a big fan of that part of it, but she's a good sport about it. Um, and so I know I've, I've been talking a lot here, so I'll make this last part really fast and that this is like totally bearing the lead. One of the stars of this whole Sonos setup that I put together over the break is the move, which was like a total afterthought sort of when i was you know putting this whole thing together i basically started with like well if i'm going to move the sonos one that's in here as being a rear surround in the family room i still want a you know lady in a can device in this room 
And I do, you know, kind of like having a, a Sonos speaker in here for if, you know, if I want music in this room too. And I, you know, I occasionally have thought like, hey, it'd be nice to have something like that in the backyard. Um, the move is, the move's awesome. Like, similar to the arc, it's enormous, but, but, um, I mean, it, it's, it sounds really nice. Um, I, I love its ability to switch back and forth between being a Wi-Fi speaker with your Sonos system and then just being a standalone Bluetooth speaker. What's the context where you're using it with Bluetooth? With the new computer. So most most of the time, I just, as we'll get, maybe get into, like most of the time I just use headphones with it. Mm-hmm. But occasionally I'll just want to have it hooked up to just speakers and not wear headphones. And I don't have computer speakers. So, and my, you know, my monitor doesn't have speakers. So there's really no other external sound system that I have. But my motherboard has Bluetooth. So, and it supports outputting audio over Bluetooth. Well, it is kind of one of the core functions of Bluetooth, but yeah, I guess it's yeah, it's not not specific to yeah. Is, it, is, well, is that maybe. a Windows ten only thing? Sorry, <laughs> maybe. Okay, um, so so I so I've, I've gotten to play around with that, and that's cool. And the um the thing that I was I think I think I mentioned this before, like you, you can if when you have a Sonos device hooked up to a TV, you can have that TV audio then rerouted to any other Sonos device. And so I thought, well, it'd be kind of cool if I could, you know, have the living room TV on, which is on a swivel stand that can be faced out towards the backyard. Now that it has the beam connected to it, if I can reroute that audio to the move and then have the move in the backyard. And so now I'm able to both see the TV and listen to the audio through the move in the backyard. That'd be pretty cool. So I tried that last weekend and it works and it's totally great. So yeah, the move is the move's really really nice. Um, I guess similar conclusion to the whole arc setup is it's expensive for what it is. It's big, but really nice and really well thought through. Just like you'd expect from a Santa Barbara company. <laughs> Again, if it makes you feel better, novocations mean fancy audio. Yeah, that was that was part of the justification for sure mm-hmm. well that was item one of follow-up <laughs> um so an hour <laughs> in okay so let's let's blaze through all this all right hbo what was this even oh when hbo max launched wasn't there a thing where it was or was this was this a different service where it wasn't on roku devices because the business model of roku is not selling you devices it's skimming stuff off the top from services that you may potentially uh sign up through so basically hbo max launched in like september right sure that sounds about right something similar yeah well whatever uh but yeah but it wasn't on roku devices or there was an issue where like hbo now was sort of available but hbo max wasn't but apparently they have struck a deal where hbo max oh december 17th that was a long time ago um is available on roku Cool, just in time for everybody to watch and love Wonder Woman 1984. Yeah, I guess there there was a rumor going around when Warner first announced that Wonder Woman was coming out on HBO Max. I guess people were starting to kind of assume that, like, well, surely they'll figure out the Roku thing prior to that. Um, and sure enough, they did. 
Mm-hmm. All right. Um, Warner Brothers. Okay, so the big bet for HBO Max was because of the pandemic, they had a slate of movies that were scheduled to be released in theaters in the year 2021. And as a very, very costly marketing move, they decided, hey, let's make this all streaming. We're still going to put them in theaters, uh, depending on how things turn out. But we are also going to put them day of release on HBO Max. Um, And the first one that they did that with was a movie called Wonder Woman 1984, which apparently uh, I haven't watched, but apparently everybody uh, just universally dislikes. I don't know if you've watched it or if you have an opinion on it, but basically uh, Warner Brothers has talked about they will be releasing their movies uh, slated for 2023 in theaters first. So this is, in fact, a one time thing as a marketing uh, thing for HBO Max. This is not the new normal. So, yeah, I mean, Warner was very clear about this when they announced their plans for 2021. They they were always saying that this was a temporary thing and that they intended on releasing their movies first in theaters going forward. And this this is them kind of, you know, following up on that and saying, like, yeah, we're, you know, we're committing to putting out future movies in theaters first. The one interesting part about this, though, is 2023 movies so i i I think for a lot of industries including the movie industry 2022 is is a is a question mark where i mean god willing things will be much much more you know back to normal by then but i think there's still a huge question around are people want are going to want to pack into movie theaters again like maybe but it's not hard to see scenarios where most of this is behind us but it takes you know another year or two for people to like start feeling comfortable with these like big crowds and enclosed spaces again mm-hmm. um all right so let us follow up uh, do you want to do a quick around the horn uh, trademark on uh, pandemic sports? I guess. <laughs> yeah. So NHL season starts today, maybe. Yeah, NHL starts today. I mean, so we've had both. So basketball started on December twenty second, which was after we recorded our last episode. Got okay, good feelings and about then... the Warriors this year. <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, the hockey. Hockey came back today. the The Sharks start their season tomorrow. Um, yeah. <laughs> if well, if Sharky is not wearing a mask, like have has has well, I haven't I haven't I don't follow him on Instagram, but somehow he's still always in my explore feed. Um, Sj Sharky, no, that's a private so account. I, unfortunately, I don't think Sharky, at least in the the early part of the season, is going to be very involved because the the Sharks are actually in Arizona. They're pulling a 49er? Well, they why, I mean, they have to. Why is Arizona the lawless land where all Bay Area sports go? I, I mean, it just kind of, it's it's the nearest state without any restrictions, really. I mean, there's it's kind of all there is to it. Um, and yeah, so there, there's still the, the ban in Santa Clara County from any, you know, organized sports. So... Uh, the Sharks are sharing the facilities of the Arizona Coyotes. What are the Coyotes? 
they're the team in Arizona. <laughs> oh, sorry, but is that an NHL team or is that like it a is, minor it, league team? A, no, that's an NHL team. Did not know that. Or I mean that that sounded entirely made up. Okay. Um but yeah, so any I guess so with with hockey it it's it's such a weird setup this year. So they you know, they're they're not doing a bubble, so they're just playing, you know, in their own arenas, well, not the Sharks, but all other teams are just playing in their own arenas. Mm-hmm. The All Stars probably um, are. Okay. We might get to them. <laughs> um, but so there's something that hockey has, which basketball sort of has, but not nearly to the degree, which is Canadian teams. So in you know, basketball, there's only one Canadian team, the Toronto oh, Raptors. Oh well, yeah, Canucks. But with the Flames. But with with hockey, there mm-hmm. are seven or eight canadian teams don't mm-hmm. don't get mad at me for not knowing the exact number but. oh no that, that's fine like i listen to some canadian podcasts so i'll know all about the winnipeg jets and the canucks and the uh yeah the canadians so mm-hmm. yeah absolutely um and the canadian government understandably uh did not want to agree to allow their teams to travel back and forth to the u.s hard to blame them for that mm. <laughs> not very north american <laughs> so the NHL had to come up with this whole realignment of the league where they, you know, scrapped the traditional divisions and they scrapped, you know, the regular season structure which was 82 games and you know every team would play every other team at least twice and I mean they, they got rid of all that and instead all of the Canadian teams are all staying within Canada and just just playing each other for the whole season. And it's a 56 game season instead of an 82 game season. And then the US teams are basically doing kind of the same thing where they they took the I think it's three sets of eight teams. They basically grouped them together. And those are the only teams you play for the whole season. So the Sharks for their whole 56 game season are only playing, I think it's seven other teams and that's it. So there will be no North American play this year. There's no like secret plan to like, hopefully things settle down and they meet up in the finals or something. It's just, it's no, it's no, I think that's, year. I think that's totally what they're hoping happens. Like, Oh, I where think... there's like, this, this is the best of Canada. This is the best of us. And let's have like, <laughs> A very nationalistic well, no, I think, match. I think, yeah, it's something like that. Hmm. I think, um, um, or I, th- I, I don't, I actually don't exactly know what what they're going to do with the playoffs, or I don't even know if they've necessarily have that all finalized yet. But I think with both the NBA and the NHL, they're kind of hoping that by the time playoff starts, like things are more normal. We'll see. But wait, um, when when are the playoffs in the NBA? Like April. April. Yeah. No, sorry, bud. Or sorry, yeah. sorry, sorry, sorry. Uh, uh, the, the Andrew Silver, Adam Silver. At close. Also, the Minnesota Wild. That's entirely a made-up team. There's no way that's real. Um. So that 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 is actually one of the teams the Sharks uh, are playing this year. Hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. So kind of you know, it's it's weird. The the, the season structure is weird. The fact that the Sharks aren't even playing in California is weird. It'll be sort of nice to have them on, I guess. Um, well, but... so was wasn't that the thing where 
the everybody was so amped up for the NBA. Well, I I think maybe business people and industry watchers were amped up for the NBA bubble, but weren't ratings for both the NBA and NFL down like really really sharply, even though allegedly like everybody was stuck at home. You mean the the NHL? No, no, for both for both. Well, no, and NFL and uh, NBA aren't ratings down a lot this year even though everybody was saying that this is why sports need to go on is that everybody's at home and there's pent up demand for it. I think NFL ratings might be down a little bit, but NBA is way down, right? NBA. Well then NH so the, you know, the NHL basically did the same thing over the summer with their bubble and um, yeah, their ratings were way down too. Yeah. Um, yeah, you know, I I obviously I was super into the NBA bubble just because, you know, the Lakers were in it. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, with the NBA season, I've watched a little bit of them, but haven't really been super into it. Um, and, you know, I, I just expressed like a second ago that with like the Sharks coming back, like it's it'll be nice to have them on, but I'm not excited about it like in the same way that i normally would be um and you know like things with the nba have been pretty rocky you know they've they've had a couple of games postponed and they just implemented some really really tight restrictions for at least the next couple of weeks it'll probably last for longer than that though where Players are basically not allowed to leave their house or their hotel if they're on the road um, unless they're going to practice or a game. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. Sports are sports are in a weird place. Um, but, you know, baseball and now football have, have both kind of proven that if you're willing to have some cases here and there, and if you're willing to shuffle your schedule around a bit from time to time, like you can get through a season and, you know, the NFL got through a full regular season. They got through an expanded first week of the playoffs. They're coming up to the second week of the playoffs. Like the sports are just going along. Yeah. Okay. But the the one thing, and I, you know, I'm not going to be the person who comes to the, the defense of the NFL very often, and I, I don't really think I'm even doing that here, but I just sort of want to call out something, which is like, you know, the NFL has taken a, a lot of flack, and very rightfully so, and baseball did too, which is basically just like, you guys are just basically saying like, fuck the health of your players, like, just go out and play and figure it out like we're just going to kind of plow through the season no matter what um and you know the nba and the nhl got like all this credit for their bubble setup over the summer like obviously there was not a single case of the virus in either bubble you know they both leagues got a ton of credit for that but now they're doing exactly the same thing that the nfl did and that major league baseball did they're basically just plowing through the season and just being like, eh, you know, we're going to have cases and whatever. We'll figure it out. So wait, so are you, are you suggesting that the NHL is not getting that same level of leniency or no, I'm saying that like, if you're critical about what the NFL did, you've now got to apply that same standard to what the NBA and the NHL are doing. Cause they're basically doing the same thing. Well, I mean, or it could be grading on a curve just cause 
Well, because that, that's the whole thing where I, I like, as when the, I think, I think there, there, I think what's also sort of coming to light too, is like the NBA and the NHL were able to do their bubble setup because of where they were at with their seasons when this all started, where they just had basically the playoffs to get through. So they weren't, they weren't doing the bubble like out of the goodness of their hearts or for solely the health and safety of their players. It was more so just, it's something they could do given the realities of where they were at with their schedule. And now that they're faced with having to do a full season, now all of a sudden (laughs) the bubble, you know, becomes not an option. So it's just, you know, again, like I think you don't, you can't give the NBA and the NHL pass anymore because they're again basically doing the same thing that the nfl has been been rightfully criticized for i i am outside of the like the media bubble but i like i feel like were they that heavily scrutinized the nfl yeah i mean i don't remember there being that much controversy over it. like i feel like there was for a little while like there was a lot of pushback on college sports where there was that one guy from like oklahoma or something where who was like like fuck it they're healthy that they're, they're like we're risking the best years of the life people need college sports but i feel like there was less so in national sports where people were kind of game for doing whatever had to be done to to get sports on tv but i, I don't know yeah it is what it is i mean it's it's going to be 6 months before any level of normalcy comes back and i guess it's probably maybe too much to ask like i mean i like i i don't care about the sports but apparently a lot of people do where the entire industry that employs hundreds of thousands of people related to american professional sports is just not that's not something they're choosing to do so yeah i mean i i don't understand why the nba can't do the bubble again but other than cost and and cost well and i think they're there there was concern from the players for for being in the bubble for that long and there there were many of them that did not like the bubble the first time around so um oh, they're probably handsomely compensated so yeah um, I mean, again, like in the same same reason why like Buster Posey opted out of the season because again he had he had family reasons and there's other stuff but it, and it, that's a conscious choice people have to make cuz you yeah well, and there were, I mean, there were, there were ways that both the NBA and the NHL could have done it. And, and, and both leagues talked about this where, you know, they could have done things like they could have had basically like, I mean, call them what you want, bubbles, hubs, whatever. Like they could have had a few of those and basically had teams sort of like rotate through so that they weren't just isolated, like in one place for the entire season. And you could do things like, having breaks in between the rotations and things like that. Like there were, there were other options and they, you know, they didn't do them. They're just plowing ahead. The American way. All right. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just, just, just keep going open by Easter. Okay. All right. Um, Apple stuff is not urgent whatsoever. We'll just keep moving. All right. Your choice. Dealer's choice. Um, well, I mean, are we getting into the, the big heavy topic here or dealer's choice? We can, we can do a heaviest topic in a curtailed amount of time and then end, uh, 
taking on the open skies, or we can do it again. Dealer's choice. Um. Well, we've also got this this whiskey tastings topic in here. No, I, I have nothing for that. Oh, you abandoned that. That would okay. no, no. That was mostly that. So one, actually, so we will talk about that super fast. The whiskey tasting one was I tried to uh, do other Trader Joe's whiskeys, and uh, I like I hated one, and I liked the other. I tried a Japanese whiskey that they had, which was very very bad, and then I tried some other one, which I don't know. I probably it's I, I guarantee it's not called Woolworths because I think that's a like a tire store, but oh, that was uh, like a candy. Hmm. No, that's a Worthington's. No, that wait, no, that's uh, a Ford dealership. No, that's a Worth. <laughs> so it's a Worthers. Worthers. That's what's right. the other? Uh, what's the older other old person candy? Reason. What'd you call me? Reason. R i s e n. It's the thing that was always advertised during the Price is Right. R i s e n candy. Yeah, it was a German candy, something, some, some intense chocolatey taste with caramel filling. Gross. Um. Anyway, so yeah, so it's oh, it's it's called wolfords i don't know anyway so i tried two whiskeys and then they were uh or two bourbons and the, uh, one was bad and one was fine um and then i also i put in here uh the uh, trader joe's had a ready to drink whiskey sour and i was like this is intriguing and for 16 dollars, i'm gonna try this and then i bought it and i forget what i gave it as a score but i think it was like it was very disgusting uh, but the problem was I actually did not buy the whiskey sour. I accidentally bought the ready, ready to drink old fashioned and it was mm. the worst old fashioned I've ever had. But I also don't really like old fashions. Like I can under, I can respect and like and appreciate one that's well-made. This was not good at all. And I'm like, this is Again, also next, ma- next time you're over in 2026, uh, I'm going to make you an old fashioned. I think you'll, you'll or, like it or just leave it out on the porch. It's It's fine. Like it, 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 it's, it's fine. It just put it, put it in like a time delay cup anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I accidentally bought a ready to drink old fashioned and it was gross. But again, as, as somebody who doesn't really like old fashions, um, I don't think I'm because of how much I didn't like it. I don't think I'm going to gamble on spe- wasting another $16 on the whiskey sour the next time at, I'm um, at TJ's, but well, and to, to bring a offline conversation online, like the, the, the other challenge with these, you know, just add ice type drinks is making a, an adult beverage is sort of one of those tea ritual things yeah, where there's yeah, just, yeah. there's, there's a process behind it. And so you, you, you miss that if you just pour something into a glass. It's the same reason why, uh, again, to make, uh, making a French 75 is so rewarding. Mm-hmm. One, it yeah. makes it, it somehow makes sparkling wine even better. And you get to do your little uh, martini shaker dance. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yeah, so that is whiskey tastings. All right. Again, still dealer's choice. Okay. Let's, it, it feels like we can't not talk about the week. We're not going to talk, we're not going to talk about the week, but we are going to talk about the T word angle about it and we're going to make it fast. Deal. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Yeah. All right. So we already alluded to the fact that on Wednesday, uh, the based off the words and four years of, of bullshit from our uh, outgoing president uh, with claims of fault uh, of uh, completely factually untrue claims of widespread election fraud, uh, a group of hundreds or maybe thousands of rioters uh, who followed him from a speech uh, on the day the electoral vote counts were being certified in Congress um, and a bunch of people in a mob 
broke into the United States Capitol, and um, it was it was a thing. It was a really really sad day for the country, and it's it was very bad. And it makes me, for a lot of reasons, it crystallized a lot of uneasy and depressing and um, uh, thoughts about where we are as a country and our future prospects as a country. We won't talk about any of that now. Uh, but the T-word angle to this is that um, the president, um, our, our dumb sack of shit game show president, has had a platform for many, many years on Twitter. And he, as he has been elected official as of January 2017, has used the free platform provided by Twitter and Facebook and Google and so many other platforms to spread falsehoods and hate and xenophobia and a lot of other things. And we, uh, kind of after the insurrection on Wednesday and the violence and the, the deaths within one to two days, uh, most of the large tech companies to varying degrees followed through on limiting or outright banning the president and several other related figures from the big social media platforms. So I guess my question to you is, uh, so initially it was a 12 hour ban from Twitter and then late Thursday night or sorry, on Friday afternoon, Twitter did a permanent suspension, which I think is code for banning. Uh, they banned, uh, the account at real Donald Trump. So I want you to tell me, do you agree with that? Do you think it sets a bad precedent? Kind of what, what are your, a week later, what are your thoughts about that move? It was the right decision. I don't really have any doubts about that. And even put in the context of, and I, I think it should be put in this context, the idea that having these big tech companies of which there are only a few and those few have a tremendous amount of power, far more power and influence than they should, the idea that they get to sort of become moderators of the internet, it could be a pretty scary thing. And that, that's, a, that's a legitimate concern that, that we should all have. However, this specific example with Trump, I don't really think even falls into that concern because of how egregious of a case this is. Like, you could see lots of different scenarios with different people, maybe, where it's much more of a gray area as to whether or not they should be banned from platforms like Twitter and Facebook. But, you know, what what he did last week was, again, so egregious that it became pretty, I would argue it became a pretty easy decision. Um, but which part? What do you mean? Like what? What? What was the straw that broke the camel's back? Because because the 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 rally telling people to 
go march on the Capitol and and um, that they're taking their country away. That was an in-person comment. Well, but the the comments in the immediate aftermath of that as well, though, where oh, the that violence home, we was, love you thing. Yeah, exactly. Where the violence was not condemned. Um, it wasn't condemned until, until a couple hours ago, and I'm not even sure that was actually true. Right. Um, but I, but I think so. But the, the last main thing to say here, though, I think is that, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get more into this part of it too, which is, to me, this this line that was crossed has been crossed numerous times before. So it's it, it's a shame that it was only this example where action was taken, but. I feel like there have been many, many other examples during this presidency where that same sort of obvious standard was was blown past. So, th- so that's my question: is that is do, do you think this wave of bannings and what could collectively be referred to as deplatforming? Do you think that is opportunistic? That's probably not the right word, but do you think this is the appropriate time? Because I, because I, I guess other than the fact that this all actually led to people dying finally, and finally is the wrong word, but something that like it it was always a possibility because the like because the rhetoric hasn't changed. Like he's he's been talking about fake election fraud for months, and in terms of all the squabbles that he had with, um state elections officials who refuse to overturn the will of the people like i guess like i i i agree that this decision specifically with respect to big tech companies removing his account due to the likely further incitement of violence like that 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 it is entirely justified and that's um pretty black and white and there's but like my my question more is like the timing, like why other than the fact that he it's it's basically too late for these tech companies to face regulatory scrutiny or executive orders or something where he's less of a lame duck at this point. Like I don't know, like that's the part that rings hollow to me. Where other than the fact that it actually turned exceptionally violent this time and it was just like visually unsettling and shocking like it feels like this kind of has been the deal for the entire four years and just just why now like it's good that it happened eventually but it's the same thing where i put a link into in in the slack for this but i forget where it was but it's the same thing of like all these tech companies falling in line and pretending that they are finally uh doing what's right that's the same thing of all these cabinet members resigning after years of enabling the hate and the norm breaking and the corruption and all this other stuff. So, I mean, that that's the part where good that it finally happened. And I guess it kind of it, there's it's a little bit cathartic, but it's it's also not. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it 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 it, it was the right decision. But it's. But it came too late. It's too little too late. It was a decision that, or an action that should have been taken 
years earlier where, like I was saying a few minutes ago, where I think the same sort of obvious standard was not adhered to or was blown past. Absolutely right. Because, and that's, that's the only other thing where the two, this is the thing where you have all your, your Devin Nunes's and your Kevin McCarthy and, and all your, your, um, Fox News primetime people who are talking about that conservatives are um, an endangered species and that um, they're, they have no voice, even though they're talking on national TV straight to millions of people. Where, like, this is the part where there's this, um, the debate over, like, the uneasy position of big temp, uh, tech companies being able to silence a president. But I guess, like, that's the part that I, that I just feels like it holds up that there's any scrutiny and it falls apart because, like, the, the, president can demand airtime at any time and people will listen unless it's constant bullshit and maybe it might go away after a while but he can also tell some maga hat uh coder to go create uh like uh birdfeed.whitehouse.gov and he can just type stuff there too like it, it, it i don't buy the theory that the that a private company removing an elected official from a social media platform is censorship or problematic in any way when it's as egregious as this. I don't know. Like that's the part where maybe I'm just giving too much um, validity to like people acting on bad faith on the right. But I, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's, it's all so dumb because and as we'll as we'll get to in a second, like the whole like parlor thing and the AWS thing, I don't know. But, but so you are in concurrence that this was the right move and it should have happened long ago. Oh, totally. And and to make a couple of comments about what you just said, I mean, first of all, it's it's really rich to hear conservatives want to put standards in place and 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 put regulations in place around these companies which I thought allegedly conservatism was very much against um and and also I what sort of drives me crazy too is that you know these big tech companies have been living in fear of alienating conservatives especially since like the 2016 election and well, and actually the couple years leading up to that election where, you know, because these companies have a reputation of being more liberal, just given their workforce and where their headquarters are, et cetera, they go out of their way to appease conservatives. So, I mean, the idea that conservatives are being aggrieved on social media is, is absurd. Mm-hmm. Um, but putting those kind of conservative digs aside i just keep going back to the the same the point that i've been making here which is like you can envision all kinds of different scenarios where certain types of rhetoric or certain views expressed on social media by let's say a politician or some other well-known person sort of falls into a gray area as to whether or not it's a view that that should be allowed to be disseminated to to millions of people like there's there's going to be lots of cases where that's a little bit of a 
tougher call. But again, like this this instance and literally dozens and dozens of other instances during this presidency have been so blatantly in the public disinterest mm-hmm. that um to me the what happened last week and what's happened lots of times before last week just isn't really even a, it's like it's not really much of a debate it's, there's really not much of a question there it's it's should be a pretty easy decision I mean, it's, it's, it's yell. I mean, it's, it's the equivalent of yelling fire in a crowded built building. It's like one of those things that we've all kind of agreed that just isn't allowed. And you would, I mean, you, like, I mean, I guess like to me, what really like irritates me over the last couple of months is that like the, the amount of disinformation that Trump's been able to share about the election should never have been allowed to happen. And like putting these stupid disclaimer tags on the bottom of tweets and stuff is so dumb and and hollow. Um, And it's such a cowardly response. Like there should have been a much tougher response to that. Yeah. So going back to what you like your, your, your fire in a crowded theater thing, I mean, it's well, but it's the equivalent of yelling election fraud in a crumbling democracy. Like it's the same thing where you, you have these people who this, this audience of people who for, any number of reasons are maybe more predisposed to believe untrue things. And again, this is, this is going to be a, a topic that I'm going to have in the hopper for a future episode, but I mean, we need to talk about media liter- literacy and kind of why we are where we are. But like, that's the part where I feel like it, even if you excuse, excuse the provocations of nuclear war and in the hate speech and all, and the, when the looting starts, the shooting starts and all, all, all the shit we've been dealing with for four years, the part where it became so clear that like just the, the, all the stuff about where every, every other tweet or 60% of the tweets all had, Hey, this claim about election fraud is disputed. And all these fucking impotent warnings that Twitter slaps on the tweets to make them see themselves feel better about enabling somebody trying to undermine just the, the core foundation of our democracy is, is the part that I don't necessarily get or that, that I just don't give them credit for, for ultimately coming to a decision when somebody is going to be out of office in 10 days and has almost no power anymore. Like you just, you just don't get a ton of credit for that. Again, it, it in the end, it kind of feels good, but it doesn't really. But then like, and this goes to your other point, which is not a T word thing, but you have all these people like, like Ted Cruz, who I will never confuse with Marco Rubio again, because even though Marco Rubio is a dipshit, he is he is not a Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz went to Harvard, and he is trying to build his brand and and try to position him for 2024 as a champion of the people by knowingly lying to people and holding up a very standard electoral processes and peddling lies about election fraud for his own benefit. And at the detriment of our, the stability of our country. And, and that's, that's the kind of shit where, you know, there are all these, like, where, like, and like, uh, that's, what's his name? Jeff Hawley. What's, what's the, the guy's name? The other dipshit. Josh Hawley, I think. Um, he also a very, very educated person. Uh, he went to Yale and Stanford and all these people who are just these fucking opportunists who are willing to burn it down and try to attach themselves to try to like poach all of the good cargo from a sinking ship in order to position themselves stronger in the future but taking everything else down with them is the is just ridiculous and all these same people 
just latch on to the same culture war nonsense that gets people fired up that people are being censored when they're not. And that's the part where just all the messages about big tech being a problem for free speech is 80% bullshit, 15% worthy of evaluation, and maybe 5% true. But then it's all the enablers that are even even worse. And that's the part that I just, this week and this month and this everything has been just so profoundly frustrating. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it is straying into non-T-word stuff, but it, it is a point worth emphasizing. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that we've talked about this before, if, if not online, then definitely offline, where it does feel like part of what's going to be remembered about this era and this presidency is, I mean, obviously the person himself, but equally so the people and the infrastructure that supported him. That's what I find probably most shocking. Like even just the number of House Republicans who voted against certifying the electoral vote count in certain states last week. Look, like, at, look that, at the House. Oh, sure, there were only six people in the Senate, but like the the House, there's the hundred and fifty people voting to. <sighs> yeah, it's it's it, that that and it, but it's you know it's it's members of Congress, it's state legislatures, it's right wing media. It's social media. It's 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 this entire infrastructure that's mm -hmm. propped up this presidency that is probably even more worrisome mm -hmm. because you know because it can happen again. Well, yeah, because I mean, unlike you know, I mean, you know, mercifully, seven days from now, this presidency ends, but that infrastructure and those people, they're not going away. Uh, Susan Collins thought uh, he learned a pretty big lesson from impeachment. Mm. Um, that's the part because it's not even the fringe folks. That's that's the other part that 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 is even worse. Where sure we have because I, I think you were the one that put this in Slack yesterday. Where uh, Mitch McConnell is ready to be done with Trump, and he um, may think he um, committed impeachable offenses. Yeah, because that's because Mitch McConnell got the the judiciary that he wanted, and he's gotten tax cuts and he's gotten so much by writing the coattails of hatred and this not to steal a clinton word but this deplorable sack of shit and that's the part where there's there's it's not just fringe people there's so many establishment figures that are going to go back to as we were talking about right before we hit record on this uh who are going to start talking about the deficit and we're going to start talking about so much of the usual traditional mainstream gop talking points uh to try to hamstring the biden administration after they've gone around they've gone along with just the worst things for the past four years. And that's the part where it's, it, yeah, this, this did not happen in a vacuum and social media, uh, based off of fear of alienating part of their user base or fear of not getting as many ad impressions or fear of regulation or, or whatever. There's so many reasons that they helped make this so much worse. And I just feel like they don't really get that much of a pat on the back just because some people started dying over it. Or that it that it blew up to such a degree where just the visual of just the f 
we're going to round this out real fast, but do, do you, is, is Trump the first person where the, the, the visual of, of that's been troubling me so much is that in the past, have there ever been political candidates where people put their name on a flag or is that a uniquely Trump thing? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, it's not really something I've ever thought of, but yeah, I mean, I, I guess, I guess he might be. I mean, because that—that's the part of the the vision, and that's that's why Wednesday was just so profoundly sad and and angering. Is that even though like there's always been divisions in this country, there I don't ever think there's been such like a, a single person that people are willing to rally behind. And it's not because that's the thing where the, it's always been that the GOP is like America, America, and the U.S. flag, and this over everything else. But it's not that it's it, you. You didn't see those people with American flags. You saw them with blue flags with fucking trump written on it in 120 point font like it's it's not yeah it's not america that these people are allegedly fighting for and that's the part that just pisses me off anyway uh yeah so i wrote a newsletter you can put the link to that in the show notes and be able to read it way 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 more about that um do you have anything else on this or should we talk about happy things let's talk about happy things all right you you buried you buried the lead and or hid stuff that I even Robert Mueller couldn't find because <laughs> you went um you somehow built a mega a mega PC uh for the purpose of uh Microsoft Flight Simulator 2020 the mm-hmm. only positive attribution to 2020 that there possibly is that's right so i want to know about this fancy pants computer and um the significance of flight sim so I, I I have mentioned this to you before that this was something that's been kind of like on my wish list. Um, well, it, it doesn't Flight Simulator have like a history for you. What well, it does? I mean, it, I think you it, talked about it on the show too. Yeah, I mean, I as a as a kid, so I guess specifically from I don't know, maybe around like fourth, fifth grade through the early parts of high school, like I was. I was obsessed with Flight Simulator. Like I played it all the time. Um, did you? Was it a, one of those Sidewinder joysticks, or did you actually have the proper like? I, yoke I had thing? a I had a yoke and foot pedals. Mm-hmm. Um, I was part of this online thing called Vatsim, where you actually could connect online and interact with other people some of whom were air traffic controllers other of, of whom were other pilots it was really cool was, I, was I, this I, before flight sim had like traditional online play yeah exactly nice um so yeah i mean i was was really really deep into it and it was also kind of a fun intersection of interests for me because as you kind of joked about earlier like flight simulator has a long history of being very very demanding software like it, it's it's a game that's always you know five to seven years ahead of where hardware is mm-hmm. um and for me as a kid like you know i i built a handful of gaming pcs and it's you know it's it's some of like my favorite tech related memories as a kid like i loved learning about computer hardware upgrading stuff building computers like i just i loved that stuff um 
like building my first computer. I'll, like I'll always remember that. Um, you know, like buying parts on Newegg, like especially like when I started like earning my own money and being able to do that was like really really fun. Like I mean, it just building computers was always an interest of mine as a kid. So, and you know, again because of the needs of flight simulator, kind of a a fun and maybe necessary, necessary hobbies in order to be able to actually enjoy flight simulator. Um, and then, you know, as, you know, as I got older, kind of got out of it and that actually sort of coincided with, um, Microsoft stopping putting out flight simulator. So they, they, they used to put out a new version, like, I don't know, every like two, three years, something like that. And then in 2009 or 2010, because it was, they, it was Flight Simulator X, like it was, it was like a very Apple name. They, like it's, there was a decade drought, right? Ex- exactly. So I think Flight Simulator 10 kind of came out like right when I was sort of losing interest in it. What's well, when, when you turned Mac? Yeah. Well, I, no, I guess actually I would have mostly lost interest in it actually well before flight simulator 10 although i think maybe i played that a little bit but anyway it it, i had kind of fallen out of favor roughly around the same time that microsoft stopped stopped putting out new versions of it and then this year they after like you said after 10 years they came out with their first new version um flight simulator 2020 and of course like you know, the second I saw that announcement, I think this was announced back like at E3 2019, like the second that announcement came out, like my head instantly went to like, man, how cool would it be to like get back into that and build another computer, which I haven't done in a long time and, you know, relive some of that nostalgia. Um, and so I've, you know, I've had that in my head and especially when the game came out in, in August of last year, like, I, it was always kind of something I was thinking about. And, you know, as the holidays came up, um, you know, it was kind of like, the, I, I kind of decided like, well, this will be kind of like basically my one birthday slash Christmas gift. <laughs> so I'll, because I, you know, I am a very, you know, fortunate, fortunate person and don't really like didn't really need like a ton else or anything for like Christmas or my birthday. So, um, sort of just like pulled together some of that, some of that gift money and, um, bought all the parts kind of through like black Friday and throughout all the holiday sales and stuff. And then got everything kind of just in time before Christmas. And then when I had that time off of, um, work between Christmas and new year's, uh, put it together. So it was kind of a fun little um, activity to do during the time off since I obviously wasn't traveling or doing anything like that. Um, so real quick, so I think we can break this down into two pieces. So can you tell me what your build was like and then what the like the software experience was? Like did did you get the that like super ultra elite hard to get video card that everybody's talking about? Like the <laughs> RTX whatever, whatever? I did. Um, I followed a Twitter account, which all it did was like post out alerts when cards would come back in stock. And 
after trying for a little while, I finally got one. So that was cool. This is a very, very, um, this is a very MKBHD computer. Like this is like the all matte black, everything except for the LED lights. So yeah, what's, what's the, what is the, just, uh, besides the video card, run me down what you got in here. So, um, so I've got a 10th generation Intel i7 processor. And then I've got uh, an MSI motherboard that has, I think it's the Z490 Intel chipset, which supports, um, you know, the Intel 10th generation of chips. And um, I think will also support like the next generation as well. Um, but anyway, um, and I've got the, yeah, the fancy NVIDIA graphics card. Um, one of the really cool things about the build is that I have one of those um, M2 hard drives. Have you seen these things? I don't know what that means. Or I don't know what M2 means in that context. So there, it, it's, it's the name, it's, it's like M period two. It's, it's the name of the slot that uh, this hard drive attaches to. Well, is it a hard drive? Because I, I thought all the cool kids were doing these like something NV SSD. Well, that's things. that's what it, that's what it is. Oh, yeah. Okay, but M two is like the connector that these things connect to. So it's like, it's 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 like Thunderbolt SATA. Like it's it's super fast, probably. Yeah, well, and and there's no cables. Like it literally. Yeah, yeah, just, just like, like snaps in like RAM, sort of. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So so I've got one of those, which is which is really neat. Um. I had, as you said, I have a, a case that's got like a, a, a clear panel side, but it's like a, f it's like a frosted sort of glass. So you can like only partially see through. Mm -hmm. Um, the other part though, of the build that I had never done before and like always wanted to do as a kid is that I have a liquid cooling system for the processor. Huh? I wouldn't I wouldn't have guessed that the processor was what ran hot in this computer. Um well you so you can you can do it for video cards too. It's it's more complicated with graphics cards because so with processors they they don't come with with fans anymore. Like you have to buy those separately. Oh, it's just so a you're big already ass having sink? to get what's that? It's just like a, a big ass heat sink. Yeah, so you, but you already have to provide your own cooling solution whereas on a graphics card, um, the you know the cooling system's built onto the card. So you you have if you want to do something that's like different, you have to take that off and then replace it, and that's kind of involved. Um, and with the liquid cooling system, like as a kid, I always thought it'd be really neat, but like they were they used to be really expensive, really complicated, um, and so it just wasn't something I ever ended up doing. But now they have these, they're just literally called all-in-one systems where it's, it's, it's a liquid cooling system that comes with the, the heat sink that you put over the processor. And then there's a radiator that you attach to the side of your case that you put a couple fans over. And that's generally what like most sites recommend you get because they're not a lot more expensive than like a, a nice fan and they just they work a lot better and 
so I, I went for it because again, it was something I kind of wanted to do as a kid and the technology's gotten better and cheaper. And so I just, I went for it and it's, it's really neat. Um, and it, <laughs> as you pointed out in the, the picture that I sent you, it, it does have a bunch of RGB LED lights on it. Not, um, not, not trying to yuck your yum, but can that be turned off? It can be turned off. Have you? Be, or is it still very much? Uh, I've, I've left it on. I've left it on for now, uh, but it can be totally customized. It can be turned off. You can do kind of anything you want with it. Um, you know, the, I guess the, the analogy, because I'm full of analogies on this episode, the analogy I would make with this is that, you know how like we've talked about with appliances, like especially kitchen appliances, how like you have to sort of like go out of your way to get ones that don't have like a big ass screen on them. Mm -hmm. That's kind of how computer parts are with LED lights. Like you can find stuff that doesn't have LED lights, but you like, you really have to go out of your way to find that stuff. And a lot of times the stuff that, you know, is, is comes highly recommended like this cooler that I got, you know, comes with the lights. So it's, it's just, you just kind of, you just kind of get it. Well, they know, they know their audience. <laughs> so for me, the CPU cooler, the video card, and my RAM all have LED lights on them. And that, you know, I, did, I didn't choose them because of that, <laughs> but, but, but they're there. The, um, the RAM seems like a bit much. Or if it feels weird that somehow that extended to RAM, but I mean, whatever. Yeah. Um, I do have to say, though, when... When it's on, it actually does look kind of cool. And of course, there is software um, on the motherboard where y you can have all the lights across all those different components totally in sync with each other and all kinds of crazy stuff. It's, it's, it's neat. Um, and, you know, the thing that was really fun about all this, too, like focusing on the, on the build, which was your kind of one of your main questions, is... It went really well. I didn't, you know, I mean, I haven't done this in a long time. And I definitely, I spent, you know, a good part of like November kind of like teaching myself some of this stuff again. Like, you know, I mean, you have to know things about like socket types on the motherboard to make sure that you get the right motherboard for your processor. Um, I mean, there's stuff that's changed, like the, the, the hard drive technology now is totally different than it used to be, obviously. Um, so like just getting kind of caught up on all that stuff, but you know, everything I bought was compatible and exactly the way that I expected it to. Can I ask two questions? Mm -hmm. Did it turn, did it, I think it's called posting. Did it, did it turn on and all work the first time where you intended thinking, Hey, I have everything right. Well, that's, that's what this was leading up to oh, sorry. is, you know, you, you know, I mean, yeah, you have, you have these moments with every build where you push power for the first time and you're like, all right, well, let's see what happens. Cause there's no, like, there's no incremental tests to do along the way. Right. Like you plug everything in and if it you, makes angry beeps, you know, you did something wrong. <laughs> yeah. You, 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 you have to put the whole thing together to know whether it's going to work or not. Like there's no there's no check halfway through or anything. 
Um, so that, you know, I, I kind of did it piecemeal over the course of a few days. And so then there's just kind of like this big moment at the end that's like, all right, well, let's see. And yeah, it posted right away. I installed Windows without a hitch. It was, it was flawless. You know, the RAM, the RAM was recognized right at the speed it was supposed to, like everything just kind of worked. Okay. So, I, so that was one, one of the two questions. So I actually have three questions now. Uh, how do you install Windows these days? Because actually, I mean, because judging by this, I don't see an optical drive in here. Or is the optical drive in the bottom? Yeah, there's no, no optical drive in this. So how do you install Windows? Um, do you just have to put it on like uh, on a USB stick or something? So I think you can probably buy a digital version, which you then just put on a, on a flash drive. Um, Newegg, I think over the Thanksgiving holiday had a sale on windows but it was a physical cd um and i have a usb dvd rom drive that you know i have to use occasionally well that's so that's a new development i like back in the last time i used a pc and like 14 years ago that it usually usb things like that didn't work without oh like, you an couldn't OS. boot to them oh yeah no 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 like the it's been this way for a while like all these modern motherboards support booting off of external devices including things like usb disk drives and then lastly before we get into the software thing um not under load how's the the noise level that so in addition to the excitement of it posting right away um it's just it's so quiet <laughs> which is like it, it amazing and that's you know it, it's the the liquid cooling system that i have for the processor like that's kind of one of its big selling points is in addition to being highly effective it's also really quiet because it 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 has two really big fans that go over the radiator and you know the bigger the fan the lower they have to spin or the lower rpm rather that they spin at so it's yeah it's it's really quiet i mean it you know it revs up a little bit in flight simulator but not not to a degree where that i really notice it much cool so um so yeah, is there anything else in the hardware or do you want to talk about the game i i mean no i mean the last thing with the hardware is again like it just it was cool how well it went i mean i've had it not go that way like i built a computer uh i don't know sometime like right after college or something and um turned out that the motherboard was bad and so, you know, literally like turned it on for the first time. It didn't work. Went through like multiple days of troubleshooting and eventually found out the motherboard was bad and like had to RMA it. And it was like this whole thing. So like not having to go through that was, was really nice. Cool. So yes, yeah, so how's, how's your fancy game? Is it as, as beautiful and fun as it, or not? Flight Simulator is not really fun. But I mean, like it, it's it, because it's not like a fast paced game. The whole point is that it's as precise and um, realistic as possible. But yeah, how is it? This is going to make me sound really old, but it's just it's sort of amazing how much more advanced it is than it used to be. Well, isn't, isn't the game like 70 gigabytes? Because just the, the yeah. graphics libraries. It's, like, it's, and, it's, 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 it's over 100. It's like 125 gigabytes. It needs its own SSD got it basically um so i mean just just to like run down some of the features that it that it has which you know middle school me would have just <laughs> fallen over 
you know, his chair about. It brings in real-time weather. So it's constantly down, downloading real-time weather data, bringing that into the game. It brings in traffic. like So, like, you know, there are other planes in the environment. And they're actually, like, from what's happening in the real world. Like, it downloads real flight data and brings those aircraft into the game. Um, it has you know, satellite imagery for like basically the whole world that I guess gets periodically updated. Um, it's just, it, it's amazing. Um, and you know, I, on my system, I'm, I'm running it at, at 4k cause I have a, a 4k screen here that the, that Dell monitor that we, that we talked about some number of months ago and, you know, it, it runs at 4k and, you know, mostly runs pretty well. And I mean, I'm sure you, you, you've probably seen some like screenshots of the game. Like, I mean, it, oh, it's gorgeous. it looks, it looks really, really nice. But, but isn't, but I, maybe it's because you have the, uh, the graphics card that costs as much an espresso machine, um, that like, I thought like everybody was getting like four frames a second, just because like, this was one of the games where just the hardware just that makes it run well, doesn't exist yet. But you're saying that it actually runs pretty well. Well, yeah. I mean, even though even though I have what would be considered to be a, a fairly high-end system, like, I'm not getting, you know, 60 frames constantly or anything like that. Like, it, it definitely drops here and there. But, but I mean, it, again, it's running at 4K. Um, and I've got, you know, most things turned up pretty high in terms of, like, the graphic settings and settings on the card and stuff. So, um, So how good are you at flying? <laughs> so with the computer like building the computer part of it you know like i definitely had to refresh myself on some of that stuff but i i found that stuff coming back to me really fast like especially once i started putting it together like you know i i just it kind of came back to me the flying part though like i mean i used to i used to know this stuff really 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 well um, cause like with that VATSIM thing, I was explaining like, you know, you followed like real world departure and arrival procedures and like all this kind of stuff. And I knew all that. Um, and I have like totally forgotten all that now. So I'm still very much relearning <laughs> all of that stuff, but, but it's fun. It's, it's bringing back some good memories and, um, I'm excited to, you know, Learn, you know remember more of it over time have you already tried taking off and landing from sfo i have not yet but that's high high on my list yeah i feel like the narrow um landing area would be um extremely fun yeah i've i've, I've mostly mostly stuck to the small plane stuff although when i when i used to play it as a kid like i i always did you know bigger like airliners so that's what eventually what i'll get back into but um taking it slow mm -hmm. are you able to pick from real airlines or no like if you chose to fly like a 747 do you what like or is it just like no, a brandless I, thing it's just like a brandless thing okay but everything else is to the like to the t entirely photorealistic and accurate mm -hmm. got it yeah and it's it's also it's crazy too with like the cockpits now it's like you know, they used to just basically be like a static image that just had, you know, all the um, gauges and things mm -hmm. on them. 
and now you know the cockpits are these full 3d environments that you look around in and yeah it's it's it i guess like the best way to summarize what the software is is it's it's sort of exactly like what you'd expect it to be where it's like it's 10 years more advanced than what flight simulator used to be. And obviously software's come a heck of a long way in 10 years and it's, it's met or exceeded kind of everything you'd expect from like a modern version of it. Nice. Well, let me know when you start up your Twitch channel. And cause that is one of those things where like, I, I don't ever uh, envy watching or think it would be appealing to watch somebody play video games on the internet. But flight simulator seems like one of those ones that actually might be fun to have in the background of watching somebody who's skilled at it play. So yeah, so yeah, let me know when you, when you practice up and um, that'll be interesting. Yeah, I will. Cool. All right. Well, chef specials. Yeah, let's do it. We'll keep it. We'll keep it short since we're running long. Um, I've already talked about it, so I don't have to spend a bunch more time explaining it. The Sonos Move. It's awesome. I can't I can't wait to be able to Yeah, you know, I'm not gonna take it like on some big vacation or anything, but if I you know, once I start doing little weekend trips here and there again, like bringing it bringing it with you for the weekend or something, I think will be really nice. Even just bringing it to the backyard's been really nice, and that'll probably get a lot more use, you know, this summer. It's it's great. It's a, it's a really, really, it's a nice speaker. And like I said earlier, it just, it's really well thought out with the way it switches back and forth between Bluetooth and the Sonos system. Um, I like it a lot. Nice. Yeah. The the thing that you, you mentioned a feature I didn't know that it actually had, which is that if you have a Sonos soundbar, it can act just kind of as like a, um, a portable like TV speaker, which actually sounds really interesting. Right. And charges via USB-C. Uh, I did not know that. I just like its little uh charging stand. The charging stand is really really nice, but yeah, it it has a little USB-C port in the back. So, if you bring it with you somewhere and you, and you don't want to bring the charging base with you, you can totally just charge it via USB-C. Neat. And air power probably. <laughs> uh all right. Uh my pick is going to be the Pixar movie Soul. That's available on Disney Plus in uh in uh, in all the all the K's 4K. Uh that would be a, that'd be a controversial pick in this household. The movie? Mhm. And who enjoyed it and who did not? I enjoyed it. The lady friend did not. Interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought it was very, very, very good. Um, I did not, this is not like one of those John Syracuse, like full, it was called full media blackout or whatever he does for star Wars. I just, um, had fallen out of, out of love and just kind of like not interested in Pixar stuff for a while, ever since they did like the, like that good dinosaur movie. And then that onward movie kind of, I still haven't finished it. And like, it seemed like they were just, just churning out sequels over and over and over again. Uh, where yeah, I was kind of just like off the bandwagon for a little bit, and I did not know what to expect from this movie, and uh, I thought it was fantastic. It was kind of the spiritual successor to Inside Out, which is I think is my second. It it, it jockeys for position of second or f- or first favorite Pixar movie of mine. It's a really good movie, uh, and yeah, I thought Soul was very good. I did not know what to expect. I thought it was a good, like visually, it was beautiful. It's nice to see 
even though I love that there's so many shout outs to Bay Area stuff in Pixar movies, it was nice to see that it was in New York. Um, the music was great. The act or the voice acting was good. I did just again, didn't know that Tina Fey was going to be in it, which is kind of a good parallel because Amy Poehler was in Inside Out. I generally don't. Wait, am I giving? No, I'm not giving too much away. There's no, there's no spoilers here, but I've just, I've mentioned who's in the cast. I haven't given any spoilers, but and it's also on the poster. But I generally don't like cats in movies. That was a cute cat. That's all I'm going to say. It was it is very good, and it 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 got me to restart my uh, Disney Plus subscription, and I'm happy I did, and I will cancel it soon. <laughs> no no spoilers, but um, I mean what the my my favorite part about it was just how original it was. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we, we've, we've talked about this before where it's just in a world full of just, you know, sequels and superhero movies and stuff. And I mean, Pixar themselves has been highly guilty of this, like for them to just come out with something just wildly creative and original was, was really neat. Cause I, I was the same way as you were like, there was no full media blackout or anything, but I just like, I didn't, I didn't know anything about this movie, like coming into it. Um, and again, no spoilers, but it was a very, very different movie than I was expecting it to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, it was, it's, it's, it's neat. Um, and it's, 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 it's obviously like, it, it sort of exemplifies what Pixar is so good at, which is like, you know, a little kid would probably have fun watching it just because of all the neat characters and cool environments, but like super mature story. Mm-hmm. Um, that, uh, I, very, very, you know, it's very, very poignant for people who try, uh, are worried about their life in their thirties, <laughs> not to, not to make this all uh, a therapy yeah, session, no, but, no, uh, no, no spoilers. They can fuck you up a little bit. Um, also, uh, this is not a spoiler, but a Terry is a great character. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, kind of looks like the finder icon, um, and also other stuff. Um, but yeah, it's just it's just a it's a damn good movie, and it's a very likable cat. And I generally don't like cats. I don't know. It, it, it was pretty great. People just go watch it. Um, yeah, and again, it's, it's a visually stunning movie. I say, I was gonna say, it looks really nice on an OLED TV. It sounds sounds really good on a Dolby Atmos enabled sound system. Mm. <laughs> it's it sounded entirely pleasant on a Bose soundbar with no rear speakers. 